okay You know it's simple, mama, down your toes, down your toes Can't meet me, man, I'm in, I'm in the zone, in the zone Michael Phelps with them flows, they're like waves and you know And I get them out fast, I'm Usain on them tracks Like Jordan to Peyton, don't talk all that trash Ain't on my level, relax, bro, just pull up them stats Let my game show the facts Know that you can never pass it, so you got another racket like Serena. No, I'm classic. It's my planet, it's my planet. On my space, you won't be jamming. Don't put me in the box. Keep on winning, I don't stop. Think you got an easy lane? I'm the Kimbe with the block. That's all you got. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on another level. Yeah. Like ASAP Ferg, I'm on a new level. Okay. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. And we welcome you guys here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, Season 4, Episode 1 of our great show. Would you believe that, Mike? You multiply 365 times 4 and you have us. Myself, my <laughs> ride partner, Michael Gray, back at it again. It, you know what it feels, Mike? It feels like the first day of school when uh, you had your partner. You haven't seen him for the for the last two months in, in, uh, in summer. And then you go to school. You got your backpack on. It's the first day of school. You're going into middle school. You realize, oh, shoot. That's my dog. That's my boy right there. Well, this is what it feels like. It, it, it's been quite a while since we've been on air. But first, before we get to you, Mike, I want to give a shout out to Roots Will, the artist Roots Will. He's the guy that that theme song just came from. He will be the leading theme song for all of our episodes heading going into season four of our great pod here. Shout out to Roots Will from the Central Florida area there for sure. But my man. My ride partner, no more DMV, now tri-state area, Michael Gray. Uh, school's in session, man. It's a pleasure to have you back, my man. No, nah, no doubt, man. Peace and love to you and everybody else out there, man. It's just a blessing. It's a blessing to be back. It feels good. Like you said, it does feel like that first day of school. We It, feel, it feels like we haven't been out for that long, but uh, uh, so much has gone has been going on ever since the, our last episode of season three that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about that time to tap in and get the people what they want. Absolutely, absolutely. We already uh, two weeks late into the NFL season, and that's where we'll we'll jump in soon. Here we've got the NBA media day um, just this week. We've got the swing of things. We start training camp starting, and also some news about some players maybe not being eligible to play because of vaccine restrictions. So we'll talk about that later on. But first, Mike, it's fall, and you know what fall is all about. It is about the gridiron. College football in the NFL, and that's where we'll start off. We're already two weeks late, Mike. Your reactions on week three and some of the biggest games and your thoughts. Wow. 
week three was a crazy, crazy week. I mean, this I don't, I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. It's 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 so hard dumbing it down just to week three because we've had some exceptional football these first three weeks around. But but just in week three alone, I mean, you had the Baltimore Ravens versus the Detroit Lions. Justin Tucker winning on a 66 yard field goal, uh, in an anniversary of the Lions losing the Lions losing like that 19 to 17 years ago, the same tight way to a long field goal. So it was just. That 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 was one of the big games. You saw the LA Chargers go into Kansas City and win an uh, win an overtime matchup against their rival, and uh, and avenge that loss against the Dallas Cowboys. That win really stood out to me, um, you know. But but as far as like the, the one of the, some of the biggest games of the weekend, this wasn't the best game of the weekend, but this is the best I've ever seen this team play. And Sebi, I think I know. I think you know where I'm about to go with this. <sighs> Sebi, the Dallas Cowboys are for real, man. Really? Yes. The Dallas Cowboys are for real. It wasn't the best game of the weekend. It wasn't even close to the best game of the weekend. But on Monday night, I, I, I can't even lie to you, Sebi. They they caught your eye, Nothing, Mike. Yes, they did you know Sebi, they did more than come. They caught my eye against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. This week, this is the, this is probably the only time in my life I've enjoyed watching the Cowboys play football. They play exceptional football on both sides of the board. All three phases, if you really watch them. I mean, they have so many weapons offensively. They've they've cracked down on their identity. They know who they are. They run the ball. They pass the ball. They can beat you in so many different ways. Defensively, they, they can get after the quarterback. Demarcus Lawrence might have been the best. Uh, as, as sad as might say, Demarcus Lawrence injury may have been the best thing that happened to that D-line because they may have found a monster in Micah Parsons who lives in the backfield every these last two weeks. He's lived in the backfield all game long. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Sebi. These Cowboys – have really impressed me. And as, as pain as it means to say, being a Giants fan, as pathetic as we are, <laughs> the, the, the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not going to lie to you, on all three phases of the ball, they have a leader, a true leader in Dak Prescott, who's playing MVP football. And to me, they they stood out to me over almost any team. And just as far, not only just what they did in week three, but a culmination of what they looked like all season long, their assertiveness. This looked like a battle-tested football team. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. They're going to run away with the division. But with, with this team and with their mentality right now, they have bigger, loftier goals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys know they are the most talented team in the NFC East. But, of course, when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their nine fans, they talk about Super Bowl. They'll be judged by what they do in the postseason, Mike. I, I think yep. that's where we're going to see. Because in the NFC, you've got the Rams. You've got the defending Super Bowl champion in the Buccaneers. Even though they, they had a hiccup in SoFi Stadium, they still are a force to reckon with. Aaron Rodgers, that bad man up north in Lambeau Field, he's not to be ignored. And there's about three teams in the NFC West as well that we can't ignore as well. So the NFC is loaded. So so uh, they're, they're, they're going to have the work cut out for them. I, I oh, think yeah. that's when we're going to really see how good – the Cowboys are. My team, Mike, is the Arizona Cardinals. My team is the Arizona Cardinals that's caught my eye because Kyler Murray, man, I mean, he is the human highlight reel, the human joystick. I mean, this guy is, it, it would be a luxury playing on Madden with him. Like, how, 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 would you, how would you stop him? How would you stop this? And to me, I think he's the leading candidate. He has to be the leading candidate for MVP. What okay. he did in LP Field and Nissan Field in Tennessee back that up um and 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 a thriller against the vikings in week two and then of yes. course what they did in jacksonville now we know jacksonville you know urban meyer year one with trevor lawrence in year one it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of growing pains in duval yeah. but they were down they weren't playing their best football in the first half 
But in the second half, you saw somehow, some way, you can have them contained, but you really can't stop them. And number one that plays and wears a red jersey for the Arizona Cardinals is a force to reckon with, Mike. He, he can beat you with his leg. He can, unlike Lamar Jackson, Mike, he's accurate. He doesn't take hits. And he could beat you with his arm, too. So how do you how do you game plan for a guy like that, to me, is, is unbelievable. And what Cliff Kingsbury's done is with that Texas Tech offense and that program that he had, that aerated offense, he brought it to the NFL, and he added the weapons around him, like DeAndre Hopkins, of course, all-pro, like a former all-pro in A.J. Green. Now they've got Christian Kirk. And now you've got three legit wideouts that are – at any other team, they can be legit number ones. And then, he, of course, in the backfield, put them with pass-catching running backs as well. So this offense is loaded. The defense is starting to catch up. They added some pieces, um, of course, with Isaiah Simmons. They added J.J. Watt to pair up with Chandler Jones. So Arizona, to me, it has been an interesting team. But the thing that Kyler Murray is doing right now, for a guy that is so small, he's not taking the hits. You can't really stop him because he could beat you with his arm and his leg. He's accurate. He doesn't turn the ball over. So the, my only thing for him is maybe because of how small he is, can he avoid injuries? But if he can, look out, man. This Arizona team is going to be for real. Not only this year, but the guys only in the second and third season. They they might be here for the next decade, Mike. Seven, seven. You asked, you asked, what what a defensive coordinator supposed to do against this Arizona defense? Excuse me, Arizona offense. Pray. Cause that's all you can do. There's no <laughs> double teams. There's no double teams that can be made on any of these any of these players because there's so many threats on the outside and on the inside. There, there's nothing you can do with this team on the defensive from the defensive scheme except get physical. If you don't get pressure on Kyler Murray, there's nothing you can do with this offense. They're just too loaded. They're too skilled, and they have a, a very solidified and solid offensive line that can not only run the football but they can pass with tech form as well. Absolutely. Another team that's obviously caught my eyes is the guy that I've been critical on. Matthew Stafford, all ah. these years in Detroit, 12 seasons, number one overall pick in 08 out of Georgia. He had a gunslinger's mentality. They said he had an arm like Favre, and he, he was mobile like Matt Ryan. And, and we saw that for spurts in Detroit, but that didn't really resonate to wins. And, of course, he left Detroit. We know what happened. He's <laughs> the passing leader uh, for all quarterbacks in Detroit history. He's the passing touchdown leader in all of Detroit history. He's revered as the best quarterback the Lions has ever had in their history, but <laughs> never had that postseason success. He takes his talent to Los Angeles, and I've been critical about him because he has no playoff wins. He's been in the playoff for four times. And, you know, I, I, I got to admit, Mike, I, I got to chew some crow here, man. Matthew <laughs> Stafford is not only a upgrade over Jared Goff. I mean, he might just be <laughs> – he might just be – the golden ticket that Sean McVay has had and look for his offense. The thing that stand out to me, Mike, is you look at Sean McVay. Obviously, you know he's a great play caller. He's great with quarterbacks. He, he took Jared Goff to Super Bowl, so you know how good he is. But my thing is, is when he coached Jared Goff, you would tell he would he would have to literally tell him as in audible signals that they have in their helmet. Okay, this is the the defense that they give you. This is what you how you're gonna attack him. This is how you do. He doesn't have to worry about that with Matthew Stafford. He knows Matthew Stafford. If he calls in a play, Matthew Stafford knows the veteran savvy that he is. He can audible. He can do things. He can change up the play in a pre-snap or post-snap. He doesn't have to worry about that and and turning the ball over or 
a guy like Jared Goff that was just very, you know, lackluster last year and in, in, in negligence with the ball. And he doesn't have to worry about that with 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 uh, with Matthew Stafford. And the thing about them, Mike, they throw the ball downfield. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup leading the oh, NFL yeah. in catches and receptions mm-hmm. over three, and touchdowns the first three weeks. He's playing like an All Pro in the slot. And then you add Deshaun Jackson to stretch the field vertically. They and the defense. We know it doesn't get better than five and ninety nine. Five and Jalen Ramsey All Pro ninety nine. Who Mike? I can make an argument might be the best interior interior lineman that I've ever seen, mm. right? And we know that Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, you know, Taylor, Lawrence Taylor played outside. Warren Sapp was great inside. You, you know, you had the great, Rajon Green was great inside. Uh, but I've never seen anybody like quite like Aaron Donald. I, I think I can make a great argument that he might be the best interior defensive lineman that I've ever, ever seen in my life. And I, the Rams are for real, man. I, I think with Tampa, they have to be considered co-favorites in the NFC, Mike. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the Rams are legit. And with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who I'm not going to lie to you, you just have to be happy for a guy like that to be put in a situation like this at this point in his career to finally get out of out of Detroit. When you're in a mediocre franchise and you're in a situation like that where mediocrity is, is consistent and contagious, even even when you flourish and you look good, it's never gonna look as it's never gonna live up to your to its potential because of the the environment that you're in. So I'm just happy that uh, uh, Matthew Stafford is in a situation like that with the Rams because he he went from one of the worst teams in the league to a Super Bowl contending team, and that's exactly what the Rams are. And they're looking like it though, through the first three weeks. They look hungry, and when you have a quarterback like this, they believe in Matthew Stafford. They believe in his abilities, and they believe what he can do with this offense. And what that does is that makes them go out there and play even harder, knowing that they got a guy on the other side that can get it done on the on defensive side. So this Rams team is legit, and this win right here against Tampa Bay almost secures that if they would almost secures that if they were to play against each other later on down the line in, in the playoffs, that Tampa Bay would have to go to. SoFi Stadium and go back to LA. So that that was a, a big win for that reason, and also for Stafford's confidence. Just moving forward with this team, this team has a lot of uh, came into this season with understanding that they have the potential to win the Super Bowl. But when you get wins like that against the defending champs, uh, it, it boosts your confidence, uh, your, the aura of the team, and now you get to move forward and get even become even better. So I'm excited to see how this Rams team gets better over time, and I, I definitely fully expect them to be in the conversation and in the hunt later on that, uh, as uh, the playoffs come up. It's crazy, Mike. Something tells me we're going to see an encore of this, right? Maybe later on in the season. Sometime, it's very possible. Maybe in January. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, the Rams, they're trying to match what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last year. First team to host the Super Bowl and win it. This mm-hmm. year, of course, we'll be in Los Angeles uh, in SoFi Stadium and Inglewood. Mike, let's talk about the runners-up. The runners-up to the Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Three, three games. Um, is it safe to say that maybe the league is probably not, I wouldn't say catching up to what the the Chiefs are doing, but maybe having some sort of blueprint of what they saw in the Super Bowl last year, that matchups that they can exploit. I, 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 I think the, you know what they said? We look at the Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl in 2017. They haven't recovered from that. They really haven't. You looked at Matt Ryan. He was in, he was MVP regular season, Julio Jones. They had. Guys like uh, Emmanuel, uh, not Emmanuel, uh, Muhammad Sanu and, 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 and Devontae Freeman, they haven't recovered from that epic meltdown 
in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that the Chiefs are, are the, the Falcons, which I don't, but I, they really, I think that's still in their head, Mike. One and two through three games. Uh, the offense is not the problem, Mike. The offense, they've been putting up points. Patrick Mahomes over 300 yards the first three ball games. The problem is just two things. On defense, they can't, they can't neutralize the pass rush. That's been a problem. They can't get a pass rush, and their secondary is still an issue, what we saw in the Super Bowl. And number two, although the offense are putting up points, Mike, they're starting off slow, and they're turning the ball over. Four turnovers against Baltimore. Another four turnovers against the L.A. Chargers. And then, of course, we know that they won against the Browns, but they started off slow because of turnovers. So is, is what are we seeing from the Chiefs here? Should we have concerns, Mike? There's three things I'm saying from the Chiefs. One, it goes back to what you're saying. I disagree with you saying the offense is a problem because when you're turning the, ball, turning the ball over as much as they are and getting off to these slow starts, you are the problem. And two, my, my second reason is picking back and off the first. Sebby, let's just call it what it is. This Kansas City team is coming into the season and they've been playing very arrogant. Very arrogant this year. I mean, when you, look, when you watch them play, they're not taking opponents that seriously. They're just not. They didn't take Cleveland serious in week week one. They got that, what, 21 nothing or 22. They were down by a lot early in that first half before they finally kicked up and started making some plays. They're coming into against Baltimore. They really made a few big plays to score. Outside of that, Baltimore pretty much neutralized them throughout the game and forced turnovers. And then you had this game against against the Chargers, who's a divisional opponent who knows you very well. Justin Herbert is not afraid of these Kansas City Chiefs, and they came into your house and they beat you. This team has been playing very arrogant. They've been trying to come up and and and, and come back from their from, from from their mishaps in the first half, come back in the second half, and, and play well. But they're not respecting the process right now. To me, when I watch them, I don't see that same hunger that I've saw, I've seen the last two years. And like you said. The, the team that usually loses the Super Bowl usually has a hangover the following year. I feel like that has something, something to do with it, but it also has something to do with the fact that this offense is, is, not, is, not playing, is, is not playing as locked in and as focused as they should be. Defensively, the last few years, they've never been that good of a defensive team. They've always been a team that has relied on making sure that the offense is putting up big numbers and they make sure they get the key stops when they need to and they turn up in the playoffs. But throughout the regular season, this defense has always been and quote unquote a shell of themselves to some degree compared to what they do when time when it comes to crunch time. They're just not making those big plays when it matters most down down the stretch uh these last two games. But from what I'm seeing and from what I'm seeing, I really think the biggest takeaway is how arrogant that they're playing. They're playing very arrogant. They're not taking opponents seriously. They're not taking games seriously. I don't know if if, if offensively if football has just gotten so easy for them because of the juggernaut that they're on that they just, you know, take drives <laughs> off here and there. And they just they, they understand that they'll always have a chance with 15, but teams are catching up to that. And some of these teams are too good for you to be spotting them 15 points, 14 points, a couple touchdowns here and there before you finally decide to turn it on. To me, it's just really it's been a lot of arrogant football from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. There, and then of course on the other side, we got to start talking about the Chargers, right? They're too oh, yeah. good, Mike. What they did in Maryland against your Washington. A, a football team, although, you know, you're a giant faithful. Right. But that was impressive to me against that vaunting um, front seven. And, and, of course, you know, the Dallas Cowboys were hungry in week two. They might have overlooked that. But they come back. They bounce back. They go to Arrowhead in front of 70,000 and fourth and nine. Wow. 
I mean, yeah. you've got to have guts as a coach when oh, you're yeah. Joe Staley and you got to believe in a guy like Justin Herbert. Um, Mike, I, I watched Justin Herbert in college. I didn't see this. I knew he could fling the football. I know he, he was very mobile. He could run it. But I did not know he could throw the football like this. And I have been impressed last year. I'm even more impressed this year. To me, it, both West, the NFC West is the hardest division. I think the AFC West is the second hardest division, Mike, because now you've got Denver, who's 3-0. The Raiders, they're a surprise team at 3-0. you got the Chargers at 2-1, and one, and then who would have thought that the Chiefs would be dead last in their division at 1-2? and two? So all <laughs> of a sudden, you go back to what you said about the Chiefs. They're starting to be arrogant, Mike, because you look up in the standings, they're two, they're two losses in the division column <laughs> in the fourth place. So they've got to get their big boy pants on and, and get going because Denver is steady. The Raiders, they're making noise in Sin City. And, and, and the Chargers, I think, and I'm excited about this divi- uh, this rivalry between Mahomes and Herbert. I think this could be the next great one when we talk about great, great, great quarterback duels for the years to come. I'm excited about it. And we, if we get to see this twice a year in this division, you can sign me up for that, Mike. The, the, the L.A. Chargers are an NFL heist job away from being 3-0. That, 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 I mean, the game against the Cowboys, I mean, if anybody watched the second half, you just saw it was a heist job. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yes, I said it. Every big play the Chargers had, flag. Every time they got down the field, flag. Every time they got in the end zone, flag. I mean, that 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 almost sack on Mika Parsons when they called him a, called him a sack when Herbert threw it away, I mean, it was ridiculous. But, but to me, there are a few calls away from being 3-0, a few plays away from being 3-0. That's how good this team is. Um, the L.A. Chargers on both sides of the ball are very consistent. They, Joey Bosa is back healthy. The, this team this team has a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. Justin Herbert has, is really coming into his own and spreading the football all around, all around the field to his weapons. This Chargers team is no joke, and, and they proved it once again. Going to Kansas City, like I said, Justin Herbert started off his career going up against Kansas City Chiefs, and he almost beat them that game. He's not afraid of these Chiefs. He's not afraid of anybody in this in this division, and uh, it, it's showing. When it comes to Denver, Sebi, I, I would pump the brakes on Denver. To me, they're one of the pretenders. They're three and zero, but they're three and zero is not that impressive to me because of the competition that they've had to go against. Um, but, but at the same time, you are who you play. You are three and zero. You are, you got you take care of who you take care of. I want to see how the rest of the season plays out for the Denver Broncos to really see if they're one of those for real teams or not. But uh, but uh, so far so good. But yeah, for, for as far as the Chargers, oh, they're for real. The Chargers yeah. are no joke. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. I think the Denver Broncos they'll be tested this week at home against Baltimore. Oh yeah, uh, uh, when they come to town, there for sure. A couple one and two teams that we thought that'd be very good, Mike. That maybe we should have some concerns for the Seattle Seahawks. They're one and two. They they okay. won week one against the Colts. Now we look at the Colts and they might not be what we thought they'd be. And then of course now they Seattle <laughs> they've lost it two straight. They blew that massive massive lead against Tennessee. But of course you know when you got a giant <laughs> that is Derrick Henry, what can you do? But they blew that lead and then of course they wet the bed in Minnesota against the Vikings. And then now Pittsburgh. They got a great win. They got a big win to kick off the season against Buffalo. And then lose to Cincinnati. And then lose at home again. 
like question marks on that. So out of those two teams, are we have starting to have concerns for these slow starts for these one and two teams? Well, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, let's just call it what it is. Big Ben Roethlisberger is about that time, and until they and, then, and until they get a new fresh quarterback in there, it's, it's just it's just not happening for this team. They they don't have enough weapons on the outside around Ben anymore to spell what they see from him. I mean, it's just not there. He would have to really be uh, five years ago, Ben. He would have to really turn back the clock a little bit to really be to really get this offense and this team over the hump because it's just not there. Najee Harris is probably their best offensive weapon uh, on the field on a night on a nightly basis, and that's just not going to cut it against most teams. You you see it offensively; they're very challenged. That game against the Buffalo Bills when they when they won, they won off of, of a special teams touchdown and, a, and a, some elite defensive plays. This this offense is very challenged. And when they don't get those turnovers, when they don't get those 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 uh, win field position, it's going to be tough for them to win ball games because they're going to struggle to score with Big Ben Roethlisberger at the as, at the helmet quarterback. It's just I, I, we we've seen enough. We we've seen enough. We understand that it's time to move on. They're molding Dwayne Haskins behind the scenes. I do feel like he could be the potential future of this team. However. The reason why they're one and two right now is because they can't generate offense, and when their defense is on the field, they, they they when their defense is on the field too much, you start to see them get get down in that second half, and and and, and it gets bad for them. When it comes to the Seattle Seahawks, it's it's weird because they have a lot of talent on defense, but they but they don't show up for it. They have some talent. They have some talented pieces, but as a collective unit. Defensively, they just get gashed. Last week, you saw it against Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had his coming out party um, and pretty much came back and won the game for the Tennessee Titans on the road. And and, and Seattle lost the home game uh, to, to to the Titans. This time, you actually go up seven. You up, you go up ten points again. You have a lead against a, a a team that's zero two again. You have a chance to stomp them out. But Minnesota, after you after they goes up ten, Kirk Cousins out there looking like Joe Montana. I mean that, that that he was looking. That was the best I've seen Kirk Cousins in a long time. He was flinging the football all over the place. Justin Jefferson, Thielen, those guys, they were all eating. Everybody was eating. I mean, it's just there was no resistance from this defense. After once once Kirk Cousins and the, and the Vikings offense got a roll, and that's an alarming factor because offensively they're not a juggernaut offensively. They have juggernaut potential, but they don't consistently put up juggernaut points in order to spell what their defense is doing. So Seattle's defense it has, has been a detriment to them the last couple of weeks. It's one of the main reasons why they've lost their games. But also, but also it's a combination of not being able to sustain drives offensively as well. So Seattle has some things they need to clear up on both sides of the ball, but they're just not handling business and they're giving no resistance on defense to these offenses. Absolutely. We talked about the contenders that we think on both times, uh, but let's talk about some pretenders maybe or some surprise teams that you think are contenders or pretenders. The Bengals, 2-1. Okay. We know what Jamar Chase and Burrow did 2020, especially in that title game and, that's, and that, in fact, that season. We know what type of <laughs> force to, that could be reckoned with, with, that dynamic duo. They bring, they went, they go from one Tiger to another Tiger, Mike. The Bayou Bengals, that is Cincinnati. They're two and one, a huge win in Pittsburgh, Mike. Cincinnati hasn't won in Heinz Field since 2015. Yes. I should tell you how big of a win that was. And they've connected, right? They've connected for, for some reason. Jamar Chase started off slow. Maybe he's saying the NFL balls are different from the college balls. Well, he's adjusted quick, Mike, because the first three weeks, he's definitely put it together. 
for sure. And then, of course, you've got the three and O Panthers and the three and O Raiders. So right. there's a lot of there's a lot of sneaky underdog surprise teams that we didn't see. So out of these three groups, Mike, who are the contenders and who are the pretenders? Um, out of those three, they're all they're all contenders to me. Since, since when, when I say contenders, I'm not talking about Super Bowl contenders, but just contenders as far as they're going to compete at a high level and they're going to uh, and, and and they could potentially sneak up and go on anybody and go far. Could any of these teams the make the playoffs? Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, all three of these teams to me are contenders to make the playoffs. Uh, the, the 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 Carolina Panthers have right now the best defense in football, and when you look at the numbers, it's almost not even close, Sebi. I mean, what they what they're doing defensively right now as a collective unit is special. I mean, they they have the pieces. They've been building this team ever since uh, the Super Bowl in 2016. They've been rebuilding this team, redrafting this team, and putting putting pieces together to finally have a, a, a total unit. They have a total unit on, on, on all levels and, and leadership on all levels, and you see it. The Oakland Raiders, they're for real because they got better defensively, and Derek Carr is playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. And all, that, that's all that's ever held them back. Is their defense going to compete, and is Derek Carr going to be consistent and play at a high level? And that's exactly what you're seeing from both sides this year. They won on the road. They won at home in tough games. They had a tough win against the Miami Dolphins uh, in, in overtime last week. That that was a big one. However, that was I believe the first time they started off 3-0, if I'm not mistaken, Sebi, since their Super Bowl year. If I'm not mistaken, that that's the first time they started off 3-0 ever since 2002, I believe. That's right. In, in, in that vicinity somewhere. But um, this is that, that team is for real. And the Cincinnati Bengals are for real because I, I believe that they're going to make the playoffs due to the Pittsburgh Steelers not living up to snuff this year and 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 just Cincinnati coming up. So all three of those teams are, are, are legitimate uh, contenders to me. And I'm going to throw another team to you, Sebi, that's one and two that we just talked about. But um, they, 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 they're really a couple plays away from being 3-0. and And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Think about how they lost their first two games. They lost in overtime after a comeback to that Cincinnati Bengals team, which was a dogfight in overtime, and then they literally lose off a chip shot field goal, which they should have. They he should he easily should have should have kicked, which would have made them two and zero. And then they came back and beat Seattle. So to me, this Minnesota team is better than their record is showing right now. But I feel like with a seventeen game seventeen game season, everything will play itself out, and they they will really start to show their true potential. And another team I'd like to add to that is the Saints, Mike. I I I don't know what to think of the Saints. One week they're great, another week it's like, huh? Well, they saw you saw what they right. did against Green Bay, not even at home in a neutral site game in Jacksonville. They just put it on him. Jameis Winston looked like I couldn't recognize him, Mike. I thought this was back in Florida State. I thought he just Florida State, Jameis Winston. <laughs> they really put it on them. And then week two against the Panthers, you, you might be right, Mike. Maybe we're underestimating how good this Panthers defense is. Oh, yes, with Dwayne Brown, with JC Horn, eighth overall pick this year, and as a corner. So they're, they're really starting to come. Uh, Shout out Jermaine Carter, middle linebacker number four. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe, you know, we're, we're underestimating how good uh, Carolina can really be. And then week three, they go to Foxborough against my Patriots and they pick off Mac Jones three times. So uh, one thing I like about the Saints is, is that last year they got the two seed, but it wasn't only because of Kamara and Drew Brees, um, but it was about their defense, the guys that they have. Hendricks, 12 and a half sacks last year. They still have Cam Jordan. They yep. have this special leader and, and one of the best safeties, in my opinion, still actively in this game in Malcolm Jenkins. And so uh, they, they, they also have some great middle linebackers as well. 
that can run sideline to sideline, and this defense is starting to come to their own. So I, I think the Saints, too, um, I have to see more. But if Jameis plays okay, I think the Saints have to be added in our conversation, too, at 2-1. And, and another and another reason why the Saints deserve a lot of our credit is because, Sebi, let's just face it, they're, they're playing this season without any home games. Hurricane yeah. Ida took that away from them. So for them to go on the road week after week, Literally, no home game, none, none of that. They're literally going on the road every single weekend. That, that's that, that's impressive, it, and I, and that's something that I don't want to downplay because that's because that's eight games out of the year. Every other team and they 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 go through something that every, thirty-one other teams are not going through. Every other team has at least eight home games. They can't say that, and so going on the road every week and and, and consistently putting up a fight and consistently getting wins, no, they need to be applauded for that, and I'm gonna give them their flowers for it. Absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. You have to be uh, pleased by what Sean Payton is doing with a team that is playing with the circumstances that they are. That is the New Orleans Saints. When we come back, Mike, we'll go ahead and discuss about the NBA, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, season four stuff here on WNSC Radio. <laughs> We're back here inside studios. You are second segment here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show. We go from the NFL to the NBA, Mike. This is the week, NBA Media Day, where some of the greatest stars and some of the non-greatest stars get to build their platforms and their image in front of journalists nationwide, Mike. And, of course, training camps are starting to come up. Your thoughts about this upcoming season, Mike? Oh, I'm excited, man. There's so many, there's so many teams. It's funny how it came back quick. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it feels a lot faster, doesn't it? It's like I understand, I understand them wanting to get back on schedule and everything like that. But um, yeah, man, I'm ex- I'm very excited for this NBA season. I mean, when you think about the teams that are coming back healthy this year, you think about the fact that there's a full training camp together for teams to get right and get and get ready. It's like it's almost like back to regular schedule programming as far as the you know, you know, you know, teams coming together and stuff like that outside of you know, this vaccine situation, but just, it just, as far as the competition that I want to see, we, we continuous, we continuously get better. But last year was a great year of competition in the NBA, as far as teams sneaking up on teams when it mattered most. And just, it just, just all, all around, around the league. When you look at it, it's so, it's so much, it's so competitive around the league now that um so many teams to sneak up on, even the teams with no superstars have a chance to make the playoffs and go far. It's just, I'm very excited to see the superstars go at it. The super teams go at it. Uh, the the mid the mid level teams overachieve. Uh, the those sleeper teams that nobody's talking about. I'm I'm just I'm 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 excited for it all, man. It's gonna be one of the best seasons we've had in a long time. And of course, one of the biggest things is the loaded Los Angeles Lakers. What they did in the off season. Oh yeah. Um, and, and what the Brooklyn Nets did in yeah. the off season too. It's kind of kind of like chess against chess checkers. Uh, they're, they're playing a, a, a ticky-tacky game here. We're trying to get what do we need, what do we not need uh, coming into the season to see who will potentially uh, meet up in the NBA Finals. Most believe that it might. this will be the year that we see Los Angeles take on the Brooklyn Nets in the Finals. 
pending, of course, pending injuries, of course. That is a big, big, big thing that that is going on right now. But, Mike, I, I want to get to you, and you said something interesting. The darling teams that we're not talking about, the teams that had injuries last year, that didn't get uh, a proper training camp, the teams that underachieved last year, who are those teams that you think will have a bounce-back season this season? The Denver Nuggets is one of them. The Denver Nuggets will bounce back. They will not get swept in the second round uh, if they were to meet a, a quality opponent. They, they, they just won't. They have too much depth. Uh, they're ready this year. Jamal Murray will miss a, a strong portion of the season because of, his, uh, because of his injury. However, he will be back before the playoffs. But they have so many studs on this team. And one of them, who I think is going to really bounce out and really, really show his full potential and, and really stand out this year, this year, is Michael Porter Jr., who just yeah. signed a five-year, $207 million contract um, to, uh, extension with the Denver Nuggets. This, the, this Denver team is so loaded. Uh, I, just, I see them really bouncing back. Uh, injuries really hurt them last year. I feel like they had a great chance to beat Phoenix if Jamal Murray was healthy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm looking forward to seeing them shake back and come back. You just talked about one, the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, when you think about the talent and the depth, when they got, they got better, they got better on all levels, not just their starting lineup. They got better from the bench standpoint. They got better. They got even more bigs. They got Dwight Howard back. They got some bigs that they got back from the championship squad. Um, Rajon Rondo returning. So it's just a lot of it's a lot of pieces that they that they got on this team. The Brooklyn Nets. They got better from the standpoint that if Kyrie James or KD anybody was to get hurt, when you look at the depth of this Brooklyn Nets team, they have some depth that would be able to spell for some of the injuries that they might get to their starters. You know what I'm saying? Because Patty Mills is that might not miss those same threes that Joe Harris was missing against the Milwaukee Bucks because of his playoff experience. You know what I mean? LaMarcus Aldridge is, is coming back. He is coming actually back this year and should be playing. So there's certain pieces that they get to strength. But I'm going to give you a team, Sebi, that I'm not saying that they're going to be a championship contender, but they're going to be a dark horse team in the Eastern Conference that people are going to sleep on. And, and, and they're not going to talk. They haven't really talked about them too much. They could potentially make the playoffs and be a a, a, a mid-level pack seed, and that's my Washington Wizards. When you think about the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a very underrated player, probably one of the most underrated players in the league. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie is a special talent. You got the players Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, guys like that from the Los Angeles Lakers, who are motivated, hungry, and and veterans and ready to go. The Washington Wizards are one of those teams I'm looking at. Like, yeah, they they they're not championship contenders per se. However, I do think they, they can sneak up with some teams in the Eastern Conference, and I do believe that they can make the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely there. My team is the Golden State Warriors. Uh-oh. Mm, okay. Flash Brothers, guess who's coming back? Clay Thompson, and he might be coming in early January. They're not going to try to rush him this year, Mike. Uh, even uh, their uh, GM uh, said that we're not going to rush Clay Thompson like we did last year. Steph Curry... Uh, the guy was averaging 40. <laughs> season, a season ago. And so that right there should tell you that these guys are not um, going to be uh, riddled. And I don't care what you say. If a team still has Draymond Green and the team still has Steph Curry and a team still has Klay Thompson, I don't care who you are or what it is. We've learned in the past that never take – the Golden State Warriors for granted. And second year for James Wiseman, who 
you know, probably struggled as a rookie getting a feeling for how it is in the NBA. But you still got Toscano Anderson, who's a spicy one, who gets after it, Mike. I like Andrew Wiggins. We'll talk about him later, about his status playing in the NBA. But right. I, I, I see the pieces starting to come back. And I don't care what seed you are or high seed or low seed. For whatever it is, you can never count out the Golden State Warriors because those snipers can pull up from anywhere. And then in the Eastern Conference, Mike, I like the Bulls. You know, you say, nice. you say what? I say, nice. yeah, I think those don't seem like can sneak up on you. You know, yep. Lonzo Ball with the addition now, now putting Kobe White as a backup. And then you bring in guys like uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan to pair up with Zach Levine. And then you already got Vucevic inside and then all of a sudden, they go out, they get Caruso for their bench, and then you look like, oh, okay. Well, the pieces are starting to come really, really quick here for this uh, uh, for Billy Donovan's team now. And so now Billy Donovan's at help in Chicago. You know what he did for a young team like Oklahoma City? He knows how to develop young guys. You pair that up with a young guy like Alonzo Ball, who hasn't reached his full potential yet. Caruso, who's still a young guy, and then you blend that in with veterans like Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, I think the Bulls, too, might sneak up on some teams in the Eastern Conference. They definitely will. The Bulls will definitely sneak up on some teams. I expect the Bulls to make the playoffs this year. The Golden State Warriors, that's a, that's a great pickup. That's a, that's a great pick as a team as well. And you also can't forget about rookie Jonathan Kaminga. That's, yeah. that's going to be a special player. Uh, he's going to thrive well in this system, in my opinion. The, the, with, the, with the attention that Steph and Clay and the, and the other shooters like uh, 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 Poole and those guys are going to get, I think that'll open up a lot for Jonathan Kaminga, and he's going to have a nice rookie season. But if I had to go two other teams that, 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 that stand out to me, I, I go, I'm going to go Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks. What, the, the two things that these teams both have in common to me is that last year they, and last year they were very good defensively. They, they hang their hat on defense. We know how good Tibbs is as a defensive coach. But what they did, but what both teams did offensively is what, is what could potentially put them over the hump this year and make them better. The Knicks got better just because of what they did offensively, adding an Evan Fournier, adding a Kemba Walker. They got better offensively. We know how, how, we know how good defensively they're going to be this year. But now there's buckets to go with that. And we'll see how good offensively. They don't need to be the greatest offensive show on turf. But, but they just need some buckets down the stretch that can spell for the defense that they're going to play. Miami as well. Miami had the great defense last year, but, but their problem over the last year or so, especially last year against um, Milwaukee in the first round, was they just didn't have enough firepower to go against that team. So Buckets is going to be a key for them. With the healthy Victor Oladipo, getting a Kyle Lowry, who's a great floor general and, and can score the basketball, uh, along with the pieces they already have, this Miami team can, can definitely sneak up and challenge some teams in that Eastern Conference as far as the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure, Mike. I would definitely agree with you 100% there is as well. Another team I'm still can't figure out, Mike, is the Sacramento Kings. Yes, you go in and you get Davion Mitchell, but you already had uh, Terrence Williams. You, you got him from the Raptors. De'Aaron Fox, the way that De'Aaron Fox plays, Mike, I don't think That's he'll be in Sacramento bad. for so long. You got you already got Buddy Hield, and so they're an interesting team to me. Like, I think I think Davion Mitchell is going to make an immediate impact. I I see Marcus Smart potential in him, how feisty he is as a defender, but his offensive game is already there. Unlike 
smarts where he had to develop that. But they're an interesting team to me because, like, they've got four guards and and, and not a lot of bigs. So Sacramento, I, I think they're in that weird where I think they can sneak up on some teams, but I also think that they can be really bad as well. So it could go either way for the Kings. Yeah, now the Kings, the, the, one of the things that's holding the Kings back is that they're in the Western Conference. And the Western Conference is just so loaded every year. They've been a team that's been so young. We've been watching them develop and grow as time goes on. But in their growth and development, other teams in the West have gotten better as well. So we haven't been able to see them uh, nods into the playoffs. But you watch this team. If you watch this team on a, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis or throughout the regular season, you see that this is actually one of the more entertaining teams to watch. When you think about De'Aaron Fox, the young guy who balled out last year, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, these guys, they, these guys have ball players. Davion Mitchell is going to bring not only, uh, you say his offensive game is polished, but defensively, he's he's going to come into this into that team as one of the best defenders on the team, especially on the perimeter. I mean, I was very impressed with what I saw from him, not only in college, but in the summer league. And just, just, just the lockdown defense that he would have, how he would move his feet, how he would beat guys to the spot and use his technique and skill set to, you know, to, you know, to, to really hold and, and guard these guys. So uh, Damian Mitchell is going to make an immediate impact. We'll see if this team is consistent enough on the defensive side. That's always been their problem. Offensively, they, they can score with anybody. They, 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 offensively, they, have, they, were, they had to have one of the top ratings last year. However, defensively, they couldn't stop anybody. They, I believe they were the worst defensive team in the NBA last year. But getting a Davion Mitchell is going to help that. Getting a brother like um, – what's the brother's name? He plays summer league with him too. He's, he's from out here in Jersey. John Perry or something like that. I, I can't remember his name right, right now. But, but they got another brother. from He's from New Jersey. And uh, his length and just the defensive prowess that they have, the, you could tell that, that, that that's their mantra right now. They want to get better on the defensive side of the ball. Once they do that and they get consistent with it, they can score with anybody. And that's when you'll see this team start to – overcome the tough competition in the Western Conference. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. We've got the WNBA playoffs, Mike. That's going on right now. It's funny. We were in Las Vegas about a few months ago, and you mentioned all the players that they had that were coming back healthy, and you said, you told me something interesting, Mike. You said, you think this is the year that Las Vegas actually gets over the hump and actually makes the finals, not even the Western Conference finals, but the WNBA finals because Seattle has been lackluster, although we know what type of stuff that they present. They got bounced out by the Mercury. And now, obviously, the Las Vegas Aces are playing the Mercury right now in the semis. But you said something that was interesting to me. You said you think this is the year the Aces put it all together and they get to their uh, uh, goal. And you might just be right about that, Mike. Sebi, Sebi, Bill Lambert got these girls playing some great basketball. These these ladies are playing great basketball right now. I mean, just... Is it, it, they're, they're coming together. You you know how you know how you see potential in a team, and then sometimes it takes them two years to develop. Not, not necessarily develop, but to put it all together with injuries, with uh, cohesion, just just timing and chemistry. Everything seems like it's finally coming together for this Aces team, and it's something that they've been building and brewing over the last few years. And like I said, this is the year that it seems like because individual accolades have happened, but together they're just locked in. All levels. Kelsey Plum came off the bench and had 25 points and looked special yesterday. Um, Asia Wilson had a good game. Uh, every, everybody, everybody contributed. 
and played well. Liz Cambage was knocking down some big shots. Everybody contributes for this team, and when, when everybody's contributing like this, it takes the pressure off their stars to have to do everything. So now they can just play free basketball, and defensively, we know when they all lock in together, they're a pest of a team. Now, they're going to have a tough time in this series against Phoenix because Phoenix is scrappy, and they didn't get all the way this far for nothing. So it's going to be tough. You also have Connecticut, who could be a tough matchup for them if they were to match up and Connecticut were to beat Chicago. And absolutely, Mike, and speaking to what I was already going to say, Jockwell Jones, the MVP, Woo. what year she's at, 19.4 points per game, 11.2 boards, a a just a demon on the glass, Mike, a demon on the glass. And what Connecticut presents, we know what Connecticut presents in the Eastern uh, Conference there as well. But in the Eastern side, there's no slack as well because Candace Parker and Vanderslot has this Sky team, this Chicago Sky team, uh, a very uh, uh, an early surprise oh, yeah. as far through one game in the semis. And so they're going to have their hands uh, tied if they were to meet up in a conference finals. But Connecticut, they've been steady all year, Mike. They've been the top team overall in the NBA and the WNBA all year long, running up 12 in a row in, um, throughout the year. And so uh, all led by Jockwell Jones. It starts with her and it ends with her, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And, and shout out to the Chicago Sky, like you said. You saw the passion and the emotion come out of Candace Parker after that game because she knew how tough of a game that was and how big of a game that was for the momentum of that team to potentially pull off the upset against the number one uh, Connecticut Sun. Um, you know, but, but, but like you said, Connecticut is, is the has been the most consistent team. But uh, Chicago is scrappy, man. And that double overtime win, that, I, said, I ain't going to lie to you, that was one of the best games WNBA games that we've seen since that game five Seattle Seattle uh Seattle game in uh in twenty eighteen that they had against uh I, I can't remember what team it was that that they played against but but it's been it's been it's been one of the best games that we've seen in a while uh it was like it was a game five I remember that for sure but it, but that that game was special that double overtime game back and forth big time shots you know it, it was it was it was incredible incredible to watch uh but yeah you're right the, the Connecticut Sun I fully expect them to bounce back. And, uh, and and get back in this series and uh, and just just enjoy the good good the great competitive basketball that you see in the WNBA right now because on all levels and like each round and each conference is it, is very competitive right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's gonna be tough against Connecticut. They've got the MVP. They've also got the Sixth Man of the Year. It's gonna be. They are a loaded loaded team in the Eastern Conference, and they've got championship aspirations as well. They wanna. Of course, Mike, erase those nightmares against your Washington Mystics. Yes. What they did to them uh, a few years ago, yep. um, led by, of course, the great Elena Deladon. Queen herself. <laughs> the queen herself there as well, Mike. That wraps it up for you now, of course. We continue this in week th in season three. We got to continue in season four. It's time for Mike's closing arguments. Mike, go ahead and take it away. My closing arguments this week? Spiritual warfare. That's what we're in the middle of, Sevi. Society, that's what we're in, we're in the middle of right now. Spiritual warfare. They're, they're, they're putting, they're putting the, the notion, the agenda out there, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. You have situations right now where there are certain players in the NBA. It's a solid amount of players in the NBA that have not uh, received the vaccination. And because of these uh, state mandates in New York, New York and you know California and places like that, it's it, it, it's caused the ruckus you know between players on the Brooklyn Nets, players on the Warriors like Kyrie Irving 
Andrew Wiggins. I heard Jonathan Isaac didn't get his as well. But uh, this is um, this is something that that, that is going to brew, and it's almost um, it's 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 almost going to be like war, in in a sense, it could, because it's the war of, you know, people don't want to be controlled and they don't want to be forced to do something that they don't want to do. You know, nobody's forced, nobody's nobody's uh, bashing people that are getting the vaccine, but it feels like the people that don't want to get the vaccine, the, it's an agenda out there to bash those people and to try to put them in a box. And and players like Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving, Jonathan Isaac, they don't they don't want to get put in that box, for, you know, for for something that they don't believe in and they uh, they don't trust yet. And I respect their decision and I understand where they're coming from. And I feel like the NBA with the rules and eh, not necessarily the, with the, with the rules that they, that they're putting in place right now with these players with uh, with the, with a few teams, you could potentially start a war between the players that you might not want that could cost not only those players money but it can cost the league money as well because let's just face it. Some of these players are some high price players. Kyrie Irving is somebody that's very much box office and, and teams walk through the turnstiles to see this brother play. And it's going to, and if it, he's, he's one of the players that's, you know, at the forefront of the situation right now, but there's plenty more others that feel the same way he does. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. But right now it's like, it's almost like spiritual warfare. They're, they're 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 putting they're putting they're putting it the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. But right now, it's not looking too good for the league. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, there for sure. And that wraps up our beginning stage of season four. We've got some great, 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 great stuff coming up in season four, Mike. Some great, great guests as well, and. Of course, some for the fans as well. So, it's 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 for you guys, and it's 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 to entertain you guys. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. We are back, and we're active. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, led by myself and Mike. We want to say so long now. Peace and love, everybody. We're excited, folks, for tuning in today and joining us on this show, and for any other episodes of our previous in the past. Make sure you follow us on sebipodcast.info on all social media platforms and on Instagram. We'll see you guys next week.